and welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing. Actually, it's actually Sunday in the Eastern Time Zone. We always do Eastern Time Zone on this podcast, but we're in the Western Time Zone, so it's still Saturday night. Joining me from here in Las Vegas, we've just watched the Lakers win the first ever in-season tournament uh, over the Indiana Pacers. I think they won by about 20. I don't remember the exact final score. It's Tim Bontemps. Hello, Brian. Much more important than the first in-season tournament. First Hoop Collective live show. Big success. Thanks to everybody who came to see it. Great success, as uh, Borat would say. Joining me from elsewhere here in Las Vegas, also at the game tonight, was Van McMahon. Joining you from the penthouse, one floor above you, Wendy, and uh, howdy, partners. It's a pleasure to be here. I want to apologize to the Pacers. They actually only lost by 14. Point so. differential does not matter in the uh, in the final, <laughs> just on the on the way to get here. It doesn't even count. It's lost to history. We'll never even find the box score again. It was very clear that that was, uh, it was a one-off situation. Uh, yes, we did have our first ever live show last night, Friday night, and um, it was a, um, a good success. We uh, are very appreciative of all the listeners who came out. I'm appreciative of our guests who, uh, you know, it was a bit of a challenge to get people to, you know, want to come see us uh at on friday night in las vegas at 7 p.m um you two was playing you <laughs> two was playing um there was a bunch cooper of country flag bands was playing. playing cooper flag was playing that's right cooper flag was playing we had uh, a lot a of competition of but we playing. got we got a lot of guests though it was very fun yeah so um uh yes uh you know it was you know they love they absolutely love McMahon, and who doesn't? I think they they tolerated Bontemps. <laughs> uh, just kidding, Timmy. We like all the rest, love you. like the rest of like the rest of my life. <laughs> well, listen, a lot of people walked away very happy with those signed Wendy's tops cards. Like poor McMahon little... was thinking he was going to be putting away some college tuition money, and then it all got swiped away from him. No, I got one yes. that ought to cover at least a semester. <laughs> we had a meet and greet afterwards and um we gave a we gave all the ones we brought away and during that meet and greet so that was good I, at one point uh, um one of the guys was like um hey can you sign it and i was like yeah it's already signed it was uh very enjoyable thank you to everybody who put it on it was a, it took a pretty big effort at espn to get everything put on to do it sort of off-site at this place you know security and all this kind of stuff so thank you to everybody and thanks to dave malika and uh and kp for coming aboard and having a lot of fun absolutely and jackson who's already back in connecticut you know espn wouldn't even let him stay to enjoy mm-hmm. the in-season tournament final wouldn't let him have a saturday night in vegas they were like get out get back on the next plane so thanks to jackson especially as well uh okay so we did see um I thought uh, the final score doesn't indicate the level of the game that was played. The Pacers played from behind for most of the game. Um, the Lakers um, really game plan this game. It, I, it, you know, there were some people comparing it to a playoff game. I don't think I would go that far. It certainly, I heard, I saw some people say this is like a game seven. And I was like, whoa, Tigers, mm. let's just calm down. How do you, how do you tell me you've never been to a game seven without telling me? <laughs> Without never telling me the game seven, saying that was like a game seven. Um, so it was, but one thing I will say is I do think there was an um a higher level of preparation for this game and a much more, 
uh, you know, in comparison to your average December game, a much mm-hmm. more intense level of uh, game plan that was in, uh, particularly from the Lakers who double teamed Tyrese Halliburton very aggressively. Um, they double teamed him according to um, uh, our guy Stats Williams uh, with the uh, ESPN Stats and Info tracking. Um, they double teamed him 26 times. And um, in the game, uh, pretty much every time he got a screen, they trapped him. Sometimes even if he didn't get a screen and they really tried to put um, their length. In fact, one of the things that I kind of took away from this game, seeing the Lakers play live was um, just how hellacious they can be when they trap because Uh they have Cam Reddish out there who has great size. They have Jared Vanderbilt back who has great size. If they haven't hit those guys as the point of attack defender, and then you have AD, and they also had Jackson Hayes played in this game. Uh, He doesn't play every game. They played in this game. So if you bring the screener up to set a screen for Halliburton, which a lot of times it's uh, Miles Turner, you have Anthony Davis, Jared Vanderbilt, or Cam Reddish as your ability to trap, and Tyrese just had a problem with the length. He had trouble. He, you know, he had trouble throwing over it. He had trouble getting around it. Um, next time that happens, I think um, he'll be more ready. The, the Pacers will be more ready. It was an interesting. It was interesting that they watched the Bucks basically not trap Halliburton at all, as he was torching them. And it's harder to track if you're the Bucks because Blake or um, Brooke Lopez is not as mobile as Anthony uh, Davis is, but the, the bucks really didn't change up much of the looks on Halliburton. They were switching or dropping and um, Halliburton ate him alive. Uh, the Lakers completely had a different game plan. So it was a, a bit different in that regard. I don't know how you felt about it, bond temps, but I felt um, it was, it was something more than a regular season game, but not really to the level of a, of a playoff game. And the Lakers celebrated by throwing water around in the post-game celebration area. No champagne corks, at least in the arena, were popped. But I don't know how you felt about uh, no, having, Le- Le- LeBron had played. a little champagne. LeBron had a Did little he? champagne. Yeah, the, they I had didn't a, see that. They, they had a celebration room, not the locker room, but they had a room for them to go in and celebrate. He basically said, hey, young guys don't know how to do this. But no, it wasn't like a full-blown championship celebration. Okay, they, I thought it was water. So. No, they popped okay. a little champagne. I, I take it all back. I, I was down there, and I thought it was water, so I'm so sorry. But uh, all right. Sorry, Bontemps. I don't know what you thought about the way that game played out. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say I thought Tyrese Halberton played well. I mean, he had 20 and 11 on 8 for 14 shooting. He had two turnovers in the first two minutes where he, he tried to throw a lob mm-hmm. to Obi Toppin that LeBron knocked away. And he tried to thread a pass inside. He got tipped away. He had f- one turnover the final 46 minutes of the game and played pretty well. I think this game. No, really I think came it down- took no, it took away his ability to get downhill. And his ability mm-hmm. to would, play with, would, with aggression. I wouldn't. I actually don't agree with that. I think. I think they. It, to me, he set up a lot of open threes in this game. And the story of this game was to me. Yes, the the Lakers' defense was great. I'm not. I'm not trying to say they didn't. He didn't. Obviously the Pacers have were to, the highest scoring team in NBA history, and they had 109 I, points. I think yes, the Lakers because did they some stuff because to they because they went 10 for 41 from three and missed a ton mm-hmm. of wide open shots. Buddy Heald was two for nine from three. They went like seven of 33 from three in the in game in the semifinal. And they scored yeah. like 130 something, so well, 120 something. Yes, they they got out and ran. And, and like, the, again, the difference is the Lakers have a really good defensive team and the Bucs don't. Like a lot of yeah. the things that the, the Lakers were doing, like the Bucs couldn't really trap because they don't have the players. They don't have the athletes to do it, even if they want to. Like if Malik Beasley and Damian Lillard trap. Tyrese Halliburton, it doesn't matter. He can just look over them and make a play. And he, as he said after the game, 
they have all these six, seven, six, eight, six, nine wings that they can throw at me. Most teams aren't built like that, which is true. But I, he, like I said, he still had, he still had 20 and 11 and one turnover the final four, six minutes of the game. And he was six for eight. Actually, he was six for six on two point shots. I mean, he missed I don't think a bunch he played poorly. I think they limited his, what he, I would, what, what I, I would said. say, what I would say is, the Lakers did what they were going to do, right? They they destroyed them. The story of the game was the Lakers destroying them in the paint yes. offensively, having a 40-point advantage on points in the paint. And yes, the Pacers were able to outscore them from three because the Lakers barely shot any. Mm-hmm. But if the Pacers were going to win to the game, they had to shoot well from three. They couldn't have a bad shooting game from three. And they were horrendous from three and missed a ton of wide open shots. And so because of that, in a game where it was really going to be strength versus strength, and it was going to be the Pacers trying to play fast and setting up open threes, and the Lakers giving the ball to Anthony Davis in what was a perfect setup for him with a team that had nobody that could physically withstand him, and so he obliterated them inside. What ultimately won out was the Lakers' strength beat the Pacers' strength. And that was what really the difference in the game was. Uh, but they did limit Albert, and yeah, he, he was six of six on twos, but he – you know, for him to only have 14 field goal attempts is limiting Halliburton. And I thought, you're absolutely right, and Halliburton said this himself, like they had good looks at threes that they didn't make. And if they have a good shooting night, it's, it can be a totally different game. But the Bucks are a terrible transition defense team. And if you're a bad transition defense team, Halliburton is going to roast you. Like you are in real trouble. Mm-hmm. The Lakers, the, like the the Pacers, weren't able to get out and run on the Lakers. Now, part of that is because the Lakers kept on driving right down the middle of the paint, scoring, and they're taking the ball. Oh my God. out of the net. But yeah, that I mean, yes, it, the, you're, you're right about this. Certainly, the two biggest factors in this game were the Lakers. I believe they finished with 86 points in the paint. That's an impressive number. Yes, it's the highest in the NBA this season. They had 43 baskets in the paint. 34 of those, mm -hmm. 34 of those were from LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Austin Reeves. Yeah. Those three guys had 35 baskets overall, and 34 of them were in the paint. Yeah. Every single one by LeBron, every single one by AD. (laughs) With all due due respect to the Pacers, they've had a great run. We definitely, we've talked a lot about them. They've great showing and everything, but they're a little bit an unserious team if you can give up 86 points in the paint. Listen, they're a really fun team, but there's no way. And Tyrese had this thing today where he's like, you know, people think they're geniuses by saying we got to get better defense. I don't think people think they're geniuses saying that, but it's just like a a captain obvious statement. You can't be that bad defensively and and be taken seriously as a as a contender when it comes to winning best of seven series. Now, maybe they can get better defensively. We'll see what they do before the trade deadline, certainly offensively. Despite the fact tonight wasn't a great night, they are historically elite. He is a phenomenal white. He's a six foot five Steve Nash type of player, to borrow from a, a Rick Carlisle comparison. And but really, you know what this game came down to is Anthony Davis absolutely dominated. He was awesome. Miles Turner had a really bad night. Uh, Anthony Davis, <laughs> dude, forty one points, twenty rebounds, five assists. By the way, the last Laker to have a 40-25 assist performance. Any guesses? A little impromptu trivia. Was it Anthony Davis? Uh, nope. Shaq? Nope. I saw Free that Shaq. Anthony Davis 
I saw Anthony Davis had has five 40 20 games in his career. Yeah. I'm not Kareem. sure I would have gotten that. Free Kareem. Will Chamberlain? Will Bob Chamberlain. McAdoo. Uh, Will Chamberlain. No, Will Chamberlain. All the, all the way back. And But it's crazy. You talk about the centers the Lakers have had 40 points, yep. 20 rebounds, five assists, and this doesn't count as a regular season game. But the last I learned, I that, learned yes, I learned Friday night, by the way, in the Bontemps trivia that Bob McAdoo was a center. I did not know he was a center. Yeah, I thought that was cheating. He certainly wasn't by the time we got to the Showtime Lakers. Anyways, plus he blocked four shots. And then Miles Turner fouled out. I uh, played only 25 minutes. And when we talk about guys who are missing open shots, like, you know, he won one of five from three, three of 11 from the floor. If if Anthony Davis plays like this, the Lakers are absolutely a threat to win trophies, and they won one tonight. Yeah, but that that's the thing. This was the perfect team for him to play. Like, this is why he had a great game. The Pacers. This was probably the worst possible opponent the Pacers could have had, right? Because what the Pacers do on defense, because they're not very good on defense, is they try to limit the opposition from shooting threes. And then they've got Miles Turner at the rim to try to block shots and get in the way, right? That's more or less what their defense is. Now, the last couple games, they played pretty decent defense against the Bucs and the Celtics, two teams that shoot a lot of threes. The Lakers don't shoot threes. They can't, they don't have anybody that's a good shooter. And most of the time, they're not really trying to shoot threes. And so they just took Anthony Davis and ran him like a battering ram at the rim. And the the Pacers had no way to try to stop him. And LeBron, same thing. Whenever he tried to get to the rim, he got there whenever he wanted. And they just physically dominated the game inside. That's what, like, to me, it's not a, like, we all, the Lakers were the better team coming into the game. It's not a surprise that they won. But the way this played out, that was where I said, like, yeah, Halliburton didn't have quite the game he normally does. He also played pretty well. It really just came down to they got a ton of looks from three. They didn't make hardly any of them. And the and the Lakers leaned into what they do and mm-hmm. totally dominated the game. Now, will we see Anthony Davis do this when he's playing against Nikola Jokic or other players like that? We will see. But in this set in this setting against a team with no interior size at all, he was able to run rough shot. And to his credit, he did from start to finish. And the one thing that was particularly impressive was, as you pointed out earlier, yes, they were taking the ball out of the basket, Indiana, most of the time. But the Lakers' defense in transition mm-hmm. was great. And yeah. they didn't let – there was a couple times the Pacers got out for easy buckets because they're going to do that against every team. But for the most part, they got back and got in the way and made it difficult as much as they could throughout the game. And that was that was really impressive. Like, their, their connectivity on defense was really good. And look, the Lakers have been the best team in this tournament the whole way through. They won by an average of 20 points. They curb stopped New Orleans on Thursday. Obviously, they won going away today. And yeah, you could say that some of the teams they didn't play, they played were that great. But they still beat Phoenix twice. They beat this Indiana team that had beaten everybody along the way. Like they, they more than were they, they more than deserved winning this thing. Listen, if you, yeah, if you're winning throughout. by 20, if you're winning by 20 points. Saying that your competition wasn't that tough doesn't really hold water. I mean, you're taking care of business. Yeah. And they they humiliated the Pelicans. A 44-point. Yeah. They had a 44-point loss. And, you know, Zion has been just torched for that, deservedly so. But that was also the Lakers just absolutely dominating. But, you know, tonight, I mean, that court. It was was a three-point game. It was a three-point game with six minutes to go tonight, too. And it, oh, and Cam go. Reddish hits it. No, no, no. I'm we got we to hype up Cam Reddish. Hey, well, no, well, he, he did. Cam he Reddish a hit a shot, but then but then it was Anthony Davis, 10 straight mm-hmm. points, and just yeah. tore, just took the game over, and they had no answer inside. 
the final six minutes of the game. As you LeBron, said, Miles Turner out. That was that. LeBron did want. I mean, he made a point to like give Cam Reddish his props. Cam Reddish was a big part of their defensive effort. And yep. then that three, LeBron called it the biggest shot of the game. That's right, because the Pacers had gone on a little run to cut it to one possession. He hits that, the Lakers slam the door. Uh, that was one of two threes that the Lakers hit in the entire game. The two Lakers did yeah. they did not hit a three-pointer until just more than a minute was left in the third quarter. That's insane in the modern-day yep. NBA. And they still scored 123 points. And it's because, you know, you got that court and you got the blue on the outside and that red strip running down the, uh, the middle. And, <laughs> and right. I'm telling you, the Pacers defense, it was the parting of the Red Sea all <laughs> game long. You, I mean, LeBron, AD, Austin Reeves, just whenever they wanted to get in the lane and get a layup or a dunk, it was happening. Yeah, Bontemps, you were in our uh, our Slack channel tonight asking the our stats and information people about the last time there was a game that, there was no three pointers hit, and you can yeah. There were three three that. halves this three halves this season. A team hasn't hit a three, including tonight. The last time a team didn't make a three and won the game was Miami Heat missed nine threes in 2016 and beat the Charlotte Hornets. But yeah, look like the the lack of shooting is something to be concerned about with the Lakers overall in terms of them being a championship level team because you're, you're probably not going to win a lot of playoff games or a lot of high level games if you're getting outscored to this degree at the three-point line, but if they get this kind of performance from Anthony Davis in the playoffs on a consistent basis, you know, they'll certainly be happy with that. More than anything, though, we haven't talked about this really enough. It is ridiculous the level that LeBron James is playing at and the speed and force that he is still playing with at, you know, or three weeks before his 39th birthday. It is unbelievable to watch this guy look like a freight train flying down the court, getting layups, going around guys in transition and finishing. Like, he he is still, you know, Rick Carlisle, you know, said going into this game that LeBron is still in his prime. He's obviously not still in his prime. We all saw him in his prime. But he's still an all-NBA player. He's still one of the best 15 players on the planet. And he is, I mean, he was the easy pick for me for MVP of this tournament um, and just continues to be, one of the best players on the planet in his 21st season in the league, which is just absolutely unbelievable to watch. I mean, what what are the real differences between LeBron now and prime LeBron? The, the one well, major difference is durability. But other than that, well, like, his I athleticism mean, his, his, his defense, his speed. His well, defense listen, is so much worse. Right. Okay, I'll, I'll accept defense, although he's he's – he, when he decides to crank it up, he's still pretty good. But you're he's, right. He's not he's, he's not the all-world defender he used to be. Yeah. But, like, athleticism, I watched a guy drive down the lane, take off from the dotted line. There's a defender trying to contest, and he kind of double pumps and throws a thing down at a key moment in the game. He's still – I mean, he is still – you know, last year when he was making his OG oh, whiz, I might retire speech, uh, he said he's still better than 95% of the players in the league. I thought that was pretty significantly underselling himself, honestly. He's still a top 1% player in the league. I don't think that's up for, for a whole lot of debate. Yeah, and I will say one of the takeaways, and I know this is elementary and you know I can be mocked for this, but when it comes to winning stuff in the NBA, it helps to have the superstar players. Yeah. Because, because yeah. ultimately, at the end of the day, 
you got to have guys who can deliver at this level. And LeBron and AD hit the gas and they were just better. And, you know, in a one game setting is different from a seven game setting. You know, the Pacers could have hit easily could have hit 18 threes tonight. And then we have a completely different situation, but you know, you, you really got to have superstars to win. I, I mean, I, we can debate the word superstar, but you know, it's really nice to have Jokic and Jamal Murray right. you know, when it comes down to it. The, you know, the heat didn't have that, that one, two punch with all due respect to what they had, they didn't have it. And the Pacers didn't have LeBron and AD tonight. And so if you're looking at trying to figure out how this will end, like as long as you have the capability of LeBron and AD and a team that defends, I think the Lakers were seventh in the league in defense. They, they had at one point, I think when they were really struggling and below 500, they were down like around uh, 17 or 18. Well, they're all up to seventh and probably would, will go up a little bit tonight. Um, when you defend like that and you have superstars that have the ability to play like that, the everything is within your within your 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 grasp. You know, you might you might as well get that lesson early in the in season tournament. That lesson's been learned over the decades in the finals, so you might as well get it less learned in the first in season tournament final because you know that's probably going to be the case when you play with the chips in the game. Well, look, and this game is why everybody is always all over the place on Anthony Davis, right? And it's why he's such a popular topic on the debate shows because. When Anthony Davis plays like this, he looks like he's in the same class as Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid and the other like super duper elite mm-hmm. superstar bigs in the league. The problem is he does this every once in a while. And then there's long stretches where he'll have a good 15 minutes and then be invisible for a while. And, or he'll, you know, like today, even there were, there were points in the game where I wasn't sure if he was going to keep playing because he got banged up a little bit, but you know, they, these are the kind of performances where you see them and you're like, all right, like how consistently will this be happening down the road in the playoffs when the Lakers need it? But certainly this is the formula. Like you said, Brian, LeBron is healthy. AD is healthy. These guys have all these big athletic wings. And if they could get some shooting, they could add some shooting during the year. You know, that's the formula for them being a real contending threat in the West. Okay, well, we'll uh, see how uh, this weird pivot now to like regular regular season games starts in a couple of days. Um, but it was a very positive in season tournament. We'll see um, what the rating is. I, I'm sure the rating collapsed in the last few minutes when the game was in hand. But a Saturday night game that was mm-hmm. close, you know, it was yeah, a three I mean, point it was game. Good. It was, it was, yeah, it was. A, yeah. I mean, it was close till the final couple minutes of the game, right? Sure With the good. Lakers playing in it and LeBron and AD playing at a high level, we'll see what the rating number is. But I suspect that the NBA is about to declare oh, yeah. success. More Hoop Collective podcast after this. You mentioned a second ago, Nikola Jokic. Well, remember everyone when Brian said Nikola Jokic is good. Remember that? Well, up, since up. then, the windy the jinx, the windy the jinx. I will yeah. say, I will say, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I went and met the Heat on the road because Bam Adebayo was having a career season, and um, the Heat were like two and zero in the in season tournament. They were looking great to advance. Bam was playing awesome despite injuries to uh, Jimmy Butler, little bit Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero. Sat with Bam, had a great interview. Uh, wrote the piece, was getting ready to run, to, uh, run on ESPN.com, and Bam gets hurt. He's been uh-huh. out for like a week and a half with a hip injury, although I think he's uh, hopefully going to be coming back this upcoming week. 
And you know, I went on that soliloquy about just how awesome Jokic has been. I made the case that Jokic might actually, following you know, historically great season, that he might be having the greatest efficiency season in the history of the game. Well, let and me read. Is, let me read some stats since then. Oh my god! I'm right here. So in four games, Denver's one and three. <laughs> Cole Jokic is shooting ten for twenty-five from the field, forty percent. Shooting 25%. No, that's in two three. games. 10 for 25 in two games. No. 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 This is I'm, wa- I'm reading the aggregate stats. Wait a minute. He's only made 10 baskets in four games? No, Ryan, no average, I'm, average. The averages. Oh, average. Averages. Okay, averages. thank you. Sorry. He's shooting 25% from three. This is maybe the most stunning one. Shooting 66% from the line. Not what you would expect. That's not the most stunning stat. No, <laughs> I have dude. the most stunning stat in front of me. Go, I know you've got a, a McMahon. Go yeah, ahead. I, no, we'll it, go with that. It, well, well, just a couple. The last two games is when he really fell off the cliff. He played well in a loss uh, at Sacramento. He had, a, you know, a, a Joker type. I mean, that's when he had that 36-13-14 game. Right. No Jamal Murray, they lose. That's the, the guy last, that I was talking about. Yeah, the last two games, Joker went 9 of 32 from the floor in a loss to the Clippers and nine of 26 from the floor in a home loss to the Rockets, which is the first road win for the Rockets all season long. Fellas, Joker, up until that point of the season, had only had one game when he didn't shoot at least 50% from the floor. And it gets uglier. And we always talk about, like, Joker has the best touch in the league. Uh, maybe the so Maybe the best touch ever in terms of like I mean, the, guy the shoots. way he shoots shots up there and the ball bounces on the rim three yes. times and goes in like it happens like all the time. It's, it's usually like he has a magnet in the ball that finds the middle uh, of the rim. Joker. This is a stats Williams special Joker in the paint. The last two games where he's usually ridiculously efficient 13 of 43. Okay. Those 30 missed shots in the paint over a two-game span are the most by any player since they have the play-by-play tracking. That's since 1996-97. 30 missed shots in the paint over two games, the most by any player since they have the tracking. 25-plus years, basically. Yeah, and and again, this is a guy who usually shoots a – like a – you know, a a lob threat type of percentage despite the fact that there are a bunch of – of floaters and hooks and and those type of things. Uh, outside the restricted area in the paint, four of 23. The guy, uh, he just, now, look, we say all this, I think we're going to trust the sample size, the greater sample size of his career over two we games are. of just absolutely <laughs> hideous play uh, or hideous shooting. Um, but it like it is shocking how much he has struggled. You just don't see this. It is shocking how much he struggled in these last couple of games. I don't know how yeah, to explain I mean, it. I mean, I would explain it as it's two games during the season, and he's still awesome. That's what I would say. Yeah, I would explain <laughs> By the way, it. There's, there's got to be a fluke fact. It's got to be yeah, some fluke stuff. Uh, you know, yeah, that that first just, bad game. I mean, I'm just saying it. Just it's not good for well, my for me. I, I would also explain it as the windy jinx, and I would say <laughs> that Joker was a hell of a lot better player when Wendy was campaigning against him being the most valuable player. When Wendy was a hater, Joker I was dominating the league. Wendy saying starts that he shouldn't the, be on. the MVP. No, I was sir, saying he... that Embiid, because here's the thing, people who, who weren't listening to us huh? back then, huh? 
will think that I was actually campaigning against him, including all the people in Denver. I wasn't saying he shouldn't be the MVP. In fact, I voted for him for MVP. It's on the record. Oh, I don't what I was know. saying is Embiid shouldn't be disqualified because he sprained his ankle. I, didn't I stand say, by I, it. I didn't say you didn't vote for him. I said you campaigned against of, him. It's one of, Listen, many, one of many illogical it, arguments that we've had it, on the pod. If Brian. you don't believe me, Google Brian Windhorst jackass. And, <laughs> and you listen will find to it. The, well, you find, hear, we'll hear yeah. what I was saying. Oh, yes. All right. I, yes, we'll definitely hear some things if you Google that. You, we mentioned, you mentioned briefly the Clippers there because that was the first loss of the Nuggets in that little two-game thing. By the way, Vizia Zubac, there's nobody that has good numbers against Jokic in the last few years, but of all the primary defenders, the only guy who's actually been able to kind of maybe slow him down a little bit has been Zubac, and he was a factor in that first game. And I should just say about the Clippers, don't look now, but they've won seven out of 10. They've won three in a row. They've crawled above 500 and Kawhi had 41 his uh-huh. season high on Friday mm-hmm. night. And that's the thing, like we can parse and I've said this before and I'll continue to say, it, you can parse how you're going to play Westbrook, how you're going to play hard. And basically they, they're, they're not sharing the floor at all, by the way, like, um, Ty Lewis finally got to the point where like he's barely playing Westbrook no, no. when he does play. Literally, the last game they did not play together for one second. Right, and that's what that like they can't play together, and they've gotten to that point, and we'll see how Russ rolls with it because he's the one who's right, and they started like winning. Said, he's barely playing. Yep. But they're one of the big reasons that they're playing better is that over this last ten games, Kawhi has started to look like the Kawhi who was at the at the end of last year before he hurt his knee. So I will point that out. McMahon, you got to get back to Dallas because um, the in-season tournament champion Lakers are coming to town for a um, a Dallas uh, a visit to Dallas on uh, wow. Tuesday night. I wonder uh, how LeBron and AD are going to be in that game on the second night of a back-to-back after they... Uh... By the way, I will point out, um, this this game tonight started at 5.30 local here in Las uh, Las Vegas. Um, it ended about 8.20, 8.30, and it took a little while for them to do the trophy presentation. The All the players are done with their interviews and out of the arena within about 25 minutes after the <laughs> end of the um, trophy presentation. Uh, I wonder if it had something to do with uh, a, fr- a Saturday night off in Las Vegas with plenty of time on their hands. Well, plenty um, of time and, and 500K to, to burn for each player. So they, yeah, look- they, I, they might have they might have uh, some some good times. They might have some good yeah. times. But what stays in Vegas or what happens in Vegas will stay in Vegas. We, right. we, we won't go snooping. But, you know, I will just say that they will be in Vegas tonight. Then they go home tomorrow. Then they play Monday. Um, and, and then they, I don't, they play Monday at home. I, or they play, I don't know, but they play Monday and Tuesday. So I don't know what, what Lakers team is going to show up on Tuesday, but we did have some uh, Mavericks news today, uh, McMahon. So we look elsewhere in the NBA. There's a lot still going on. We've got to return to regular, regular season here. Uh, what was the Mavs um, news today? By the way, the Lakers don't play Monday. Their back to back is their back to backs Tuesday, Wednesday, so that they'll have Take some recovery. Back. They'll have some re- recovery time before. They Did see you not the tell me earlier that they had a Monday, Tuesday back to back? I said the Mavericks do. Oh, the Mavericks! The Mavericks do. I think we're talking about we we're talking about the Mavericks. Talking about the Mavericks. Sorry. So, so Sorry. Um, but but Kyrie, who's been dealing with right foot soreness all year long, and he's played through it, but he's missed four games. You know, a couple at one time, then. 
one here, one there. Uh, there was a pretty nasty scare last night or uh, Friday night in Portland where Kyrie got fouled. He's on the ground, and, and Dwight Powell, his teammate, ends up falling right on that foot. And Kyrie was clearly in agony. Um, they, you know, he, he got up, hit his free throws, and then they took him back to the locker room, checked right out of the game. He was ruled out. Um, MRI, that the Mavericks got good news considering that there was some concern that this could be a, a, a major injury. The MRI showed no structural damage. He has a right heel contusion, did not make the trip to Memphis. Um, they say no timetable on his return. I, I, I think they're being pretty cautious with that. But again, there's a sense of relief uh, for the Mavericks that it's not a major injury, but Kyrie's going to miss at least one game and then, you know, could be a little bit of time. I mean, it's not unusual to see guys miss a week or two with a uh, heel contusion. And again, especially given that he's been dealing with soreness in that foot. So, you know, we'll see if Kyrie's uh, is on the floor when the Lakers get to Dallas on Tuesday. I would, you know, I would not hold your breath for that. And honestly, the Mavericks are pretty banged up now. Josh Green's got an elbow. Maxi Cleaver's been out for a while uh, with a dislocated toe. Grant Williams has missed the last couple games with the right knee soreness. Um, so Luka they're pretty has banged a newborn. up. Well, I'll tell you what, though, boy, Luca has been lighting it on fire since he became a daddy. I mean, not that he wasn't pretty good at basketball before, but <laughs> right. I mean, this dude, you know, he had 35, 15, and 18 in that wild comeback uh, game against the Thunder that they they weren't able to finish out with a win. But still, I mean, the guy was absolutely dominant. Then he had a 25-point triple-double against the Jazz by halftime. <laughs> Ended up with a 40-point triple-double and sat out the whole fourth quarter. That was the game that was a uh, memorable one for Luka's ridiculous stat line. Who... For Luca and uh, and Chris Dunn getting into it, and Dunn was talking all kinds of stuff, and Luca was I don't know honestly just kind of holding his ground by Luca standards. I didn't think it was he was too obnoxious here, but they both got teed up, and Luca asked the refs, and this was caught. He asked, or he didn't ask refs. He said he said something like, "I didn't do anything. I'm just busting his ass," and he got mad, which was. I mean, it was a factual statement. Hey, listen, then, if you're Luca, you gotta you gotta fight every technical you get. The, every yes. one of those technicals could be important. Could cost you a they lot of money. Up. Come the spring, they all add up. Yeah, and then uh, the the other thing that was most memorable about that game was our, our pal and former guest Will Hardy's uh, post game analysis of his team's performance in a fifty point loss was when he called it a masterpiece of dog. I'm not going to make Jack Jackson's up late. I'm not going to make a minute. A masterpiece of dog droppings, but he used a much more creative word. Yeah, that was um, that was spectacular, and also the way he delivered it too. You should find the video <laughs> if you haven't seen it. It's um, it's it's worth seeing his face as it, it does. You know, as good as funny as the the written quote is, it's not as it doesn't do it justice the way he uh, delivers it. Um, the Mavericks also, I think, have um, a visit coming up this week from the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, the Timberwolves didn't advance um, in the in-season tournament, mm -hmm. so they've been a little bit um, out of mind. But I don't know if anybody has noticed, but they are now 17-4. and four. Yeah. And Best record in the league. 10 and one at home. They've won six in a row. I guess you have to, to you have to classify the Lakers as the hottest team in the league. 
having just won the NCAA tournament in three, you know, I guess elimination games this week. But other than that, the, the Wolves are the hottest team in the league. Their defense continues to be um, extremely impressive. Um, and uh, Anthony Edwards got hit in the face and missed some time. And he's he came back. He wasn't really himself in his first game back, but um, they were themselves defensively. So, you know, the the Dallas has the third best record in the uh, in the West right mm-hmm. now. Number three versus number one, like that's a, a real game coming up this week. It, you know, you sounds like Kyrie might be a little questionable for that, but still, yeah. McMahon, like that's a, a interesting little post in season tournament game coming up. No, listen, it'll be an interesting week in Dallas, and like I said, they they've got to uh, play the Grizzlies, who have been playing better, but obviously you're near the bottom of the West. Uh, and then these two games, so they've got Monday in Memphis, Lakers at home Tuesday. Wolves at home on Thursday, and look, man, the Wolves have been have been uh, just stacking up wins with a key starter out. Uh, Jaden McDaniel's hadn't played since November twentieth. The the Wolves sent out a uh, an update on him last week that basically said he's progressing. He's been cleared to participate in on court player development and strength training activities. So doing some basketball stuff but not practicing. I sounds like he won't be ready to go by then, but man, we, we we've talked about the wolves. Like they are a dominant defensive team. Uh, Gobert's playing again, a defense player of the year level. Anthony Edwards is a two way stud. Carl Anthony towns has really been playing well and has, you know, adapted to being the number two guy and, and is thriving in that role. Nas Reed, if you want to talk about early six man of the year candidates, has to be in that conversation. Conley just kind of keeps everything on track and knocks down open shots. You know, it's it's going to be like I'm not going to anoint the Wolves until we see it come playoff time because it is a group that hasn't won in the playoffs. But, hey, they're first place in the Western Conference and, and have a lot of the things that you look for for a team that's going to have a chance to do damage in the playoffs, and that's specifically a bona fide superstar, uh, a, a – and a uh, you know elite deep uh, elite defense. Yeah, I mean, look, they're they've done everything they can through the first quarter of the season to show themselves to be a championship contending team, or at least a team that should be considered in that caliber. They got to do it for another sixty games. They got to be in the top three in the West. They got to get themselves home court in the playoffs and like do something with it. Then, but look, all you could do is look at what you've got in front of you so far. And as you said, what we've seen so far is that they are a legitimate threat. And, you know, they came out of that series last year against Denver talking about the fact that they, you know, gave them as good of a challenge as anybody. And they felt confident they could carry that forward the way they've played so far. I mean, they certainly look like they're a team to be reckoned with in the West. If you look at this Laker team we talked about before, right, it's a different animal for the Lakers trying to physically go up against a team like Minnesota with their the size issue sort of goes away then, right? And mm-hmm. with Carl Towns and and Anthony Edwards, the the Wolves are a, a higher upside offensive team, arguably than the Lakers. Yeah, the the Wolves still can get stuck in the mud offensively, for sure. Um, there still are spacing challenges playing two bigs, even with Cat being, uh, you know, Spix Bamot, the self proclaimed greatest shooting big man of all time. Um, 
But what, what, there are still spacing challenges. I just I hadn't that heard that acronym, you know, pronounced out loud like that. You've I've said, said it a many, thousand he's, times. He's said it a thousand times. What I know, but I has, hadn't heard it pronounced like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, you have. You've had you've, you've said it that way on the pod many times, <laughs> many many times. But yeah, the wolves. I don't think it's been many 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 many. Okay, May, I would many, say many many. many. <laughs> I would say I've I've pronounced it that way uh, more often than Cat has played well in a playoff game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would I would I would also agree with that. And look. They they have they're gonna have to prove it. That like you said, no one's gonna really buy into them until they prove it in the playoffs. But they're they're looking like a team to be reckoned with, and they've they've achieved the or they've uh, they've realized the promise that people thought they could have coming into the season with the way they played through the first quarter of. You know what? They are certainly too good for them to make a trade before the deadline. That is motivated by long-term financial issues let's just put it that way yep. if they did it if they did something like that there i can only imagine the the kind of backlash that there would be they're like they're, they're good enough to say hey you know you've got to give this group a chance to show how good they are come playoff time more hoop collective podcast after this All right, well, we look forward to that game for sure, and I'm your fine coverage of it should be spectacular. Um, keep an eye on those Timberwolves. Um, you mentioned a minute ago that the Mavericks are playing um, in Memphis on Monday. The Grizzlies have now played 21 games. They've lost uh-huh. 15 of them, but they've played 21 games. Um, they have four this upcoming week, and Ja will be Ja Morant will be um, technically have served his 25 game suspension. In you know by the start of next week and uh, next Tuesday, I think is is the first game he's you know possibly able to play. And Bontemps, you attended Adam Silver's press conference um, Saturday night here in Las Vegas, where he discussed the John Morant, uh, updated the John Morant situation. Wonder if you could update us in case people missed it. Yeah, Adam Silver got asked about the John Morant situation and where things stood. And as, as we've talked about on the pod a bunch of times, he had said uh, in his statement announcing the suspension back in June that there was going to be, you know, road, uh, road marks or check marks along the way that he would have to, um, he would have to clear in order to get back on the court at the end of that 25 game suspension. And Adam Silver said that he's going to be checking in with directly with John Morant this week ahead of his potential return. And that to the best of my quote, to the best of my knowledge, he's complied with everything he's been asked to do. As I said, we'll talk at least once this week before he comes back and we'll review the program and make sure the conditions are in place for him to be successful going forward. But I would say the key phrase there is quote, to the best of my knowledge, he's complied with everything he's been asked to do. And that would certainly indicate to me that next Tuesday in New Orleans, our God McMahon will be on the scene for Jaws potential first game back on the court after serving this suspension in the first game he's eligible to play. Yeah, and look, I, unless something pops up like he's coming back uh, in New Orleans, um, you know, what exactly were the conditions that he had to comply with? Silver has been intentionally... Extremely vague with that, but the Grizzlies, obviously, it's been 
Like their issues and their struggles have gone far, far, far beyond the face of the franchise being suspended again. Right. The Stephen Adams thing was a it's been a, a, a disaster. You know, we've talked about this to have him ruled out for the season before it even started was a huge blow. Brandon Clark's probably not playing this season coming off the Achilles. You go down the rotation, aside from Bain and, and Jaron Jackson Jr., like they've just been devastated by injuries. They still got a bunch of guys out. But those guys, they've they won. They've, they've won three out of their last five. It was three out of four before they got smoked pretty good by Minnesota the other night. And, you know, they there's a feeling there of, hey, it's been painful. It hasn't been fun. There's been it's been a tough go, but they, you know they feel like hey, only five games out of the uh, final play-in spot. Like they think that they can get job back, and they're hoping that they can make a little run at this thing. And you know, <laughs> so I'm just saying, we'll see. It's never a good. Thing. Only five games out of tenth. Yeah, a quarter, <laughs> a quarter of the way into the season. But you know what though, the, kind of one of the points of the play-in is that if you have some kind of you know major injury early in the season to a star or a star is absent for other reasons that you're not necessarily buried if you get off to a to an awful start um and they're not necessarily buried they've just got the odds stacked pretty significantly against them well by the way the team that sits in 11th right now in the west only a game and a half out of 10th the golden state warriors mm-hmm. who have not been very good who now if Chris Paul has been banged up, their starting lineup has not been good at all. Uh, there's obviously the ongoing drama surrounding Clay Thompson and his yeah. contract expiring this season. They're throwing the ball all over the place, uh, as they often have at their peak. The problem is they're not as good as they were at their peak, so they are not able to overcome the turnovers to quite the same degree as they used to before. They had and- 28 28- turnovers against the thunder on friday night now the game did go to overtime in fairness they had 28 turnovers the warriors did sorry yep. no it's just that's that that game was indicative of of the way they have played and everyone's just sort of been waiting for them to flip a switch and they came into this season talking a lot about the fact that they wanted to get off to a good start they didn't want to be digging out of a hole all year they wanted to you know, have the kind of start they had two years ago when they went on to win the title. And instead, they're right back in the same spot they've been in, sort of fighting to be in the play-in mix. And, you know, you just you look in the West. I was just looking at it now. There's a three-and-a-half game gap from the Warriors in 11th to the Mavericks in third. And there's a two-game gap between the Mavericks in third and the Pelicans in 10th. So yeah. as sort of we expected – you know, and obviously, you know, we might have thought it was Denver out front instead of Minnesota, but the way this has shook out, there's a giant glut of teams from basically two to ten in the West or two to eleven in the West, and that doesn't even count Memphis. Mm-hmm. They're all within a couple games, and this thing is going to be seesawing back and forth probably for the next four months till the end of the regular season. Well, and and Bradley Beal is soon to be back on the floor for the Suns, so. You know, knock on wood, if you're in Phoenix, we're going to see that star trio together finally for the first time. Uh, there's not a specific date on that, but they say Beal is close. Now, Durant's been banged up lately, too. Uh, but hopefully we'll see them, uh, you know, in, in here in the next week or so. They've kept their heads above water with 
Booker missing a bunch of time, Beal barely playing, KD missing a little bit of time. They're they're twelve and ten, and you know certainly they're a threat. I just want to go back to those turnovers real quick. Six different players had at least three, and three different players had at least four. That wow. is a masterpiece of you know what. Yeah, Chris Paul was uh was out sick in that game and probably yeah. used him to to handle the ball a little bit. <laughs> well. Pajemski, who's their rookie, who's been playing some of that, only had one turnover. So he's he's not on that. He's not on the he's not on my list here. But mm. I just couldn't believe when I saw twenty eight turnovers. I mean, that's it's impressive. All right. Well, we get but no games on the NBA on Sunday. That's why we're gonna doing this on Saturday night, and then uh, we're back into the regular season and back from Vegas. So um, we'll be uh, we'll see. We'll be interested to see. <laughs> how life feels like after the end season tournament's over. And uh, obviously AD is not going to play like this every game and I'm sure it'll be used against him. So that's what happened. But um, thank you to Jackson for staying up late out on the East coast. Thank you to Bon Temps and McMahon for um, a terrific few days here in Las Vegas. They were terrific. They uh, browbeat me into doing the live pod and it came off and now they're immediately starting to talk, try and talk me into doing another one. So oh, we'll we don't have to hold on. Time out, time out, time out. You have the time of your life, Wendy. We don't I, don't, I wouldn't you. say that. We, we don't have to talk you in anything, buddy. You have the time of your life. We'll be doing some more of those for sure. All right. Thanks, thanks guys, for uh, making this a, a great week here in Vegas. And we're headed home. Thank you for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. We will talk to you guys in a few days. Wendy, that was really sweet of you. I, I feel closer than ever to you guys. Ah. Adios, amigos. Con todo mi corazón.